Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. Hey, folks, it's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. Back here on a Thursday morning for you. Episode 94 here on the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, Wednesdays are always newsy days, so lots to talk about here. Uh, getting ready for a big Bucks home game on Sunday against the Saints. Uh, we have pretty much put to bed the Bucks win at San Diego. Uh, but lots of aftermath that to get to. We'll start with injuries, as we often do. Uh, Wednesday, kind of the first practice back out there for the Bucks. First chance to see where guys that were hurt in Sunday's game stand. And curiously, two of the guys we were most worried about uh, were not even on the Bucks injury report. Uh, Will Golston, who we had seen on crutches and wearing a boot after the game Sunday, uh, was back fine, practicing as normal. Not even a lot of times if they're lingering injuries, the practice report will have them listed on the injury report, even if they're practicing and participating fully. Uh, Will Golston not even on there. So it appears he's fine, has nothing to worry about there. Uh, and Doug Martin, who we talked about, Barely played at the end of the game. Had one play in the last 20 minutes of the game. Uh, had talked about getting bent back and, and being evaluated on that. Uh, he appears to be fine. He's not on the injury report. Practiced as normal. Uh, so they're both no longer the injury concerns we thought they were on yesterday's podcast. Uh, that's not to say there aren't guys that are out. Uh, as expected, Chris Conte is still out with that chest contusion he has. Luke Stocker still out with that ankle injury he has. Uh, Adam Humphreys remains in concussion protocol. Uh, so those three are out right now. And then surprisingly, uh, Gerald McCoy was also held out. But, I mean, Gerald had Wednesday and Thursday off from practice last week with that lingering foot injury uh, and still played as normal in uh, in Sunday's game in San Diego. So he's out, but I think that's just uh, kind of keeping his uh, preventative type thing where he's just kind of resting his foot. Uh, the surprise name on the injury report was DeMar Dotson, the Bucks' right tackle. Uh, he has a concussion as well. So he's in concussion protocol. As we've seen this year, they can go away very quickly or they can linger for weeks. So not sure what kind it is for DeMar. Uh, obviously, when someone's in concussion protocol, you can't talk to them. Uh, can't interview them, I should say. Um, so uh, curious to see uh, what will come of that. If Dotson can't go... Uh, the Bucks have Gosder Sherless, you know, who filled in for Dotson much of last season as a starting right tackle. He's kind of been their their jumbo tight end and their backup tackle all season. Uh, that would thrust him into a starting role. It would probably mean Leonard Wester becomes that swing tackle, that backup tackle there. Uh, so that's definitely something to watch here in the next three days, uh, figuring out how healthy the Bucks will be against the Saints on Sunday. Um, the other thing that came out of things in terms of coming out of uh, interviews yesterday, is a little bit more of a question mark as to how they're going to split up carries at running back on Sunday. Um, It's obviously been a position in flux with Doug Martin coming back. He's had a couple games back now from his his injury. And then Jacquez Rogers made his first game back after missing a month with a foot injury. And now this week, Charles Sims comes back after missing 10 weeks with his knee injury that put him on injured reserve. Uh, so all three now are potentially back. 
we talked to Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, and he mentioned that there should be a little bit more of an expanded role for Jacquez Rogers. Obviously, Rogers didn't play much at all early in Sunday's win in San Diego. I think Doug Martin had 17 of the first 20 carries by running backs. Uh, that's just two by Jacquez, one by Peyton Barber, I think, on... Uh, no, one by Jacquez, two by Peyton Barber, including that fourth and one that he converted. Uh, but Jacquez Rogers played fairly well in the fourth quarter, got that key first down late in the game to uh, help the Bucks run the clock out. Also had a nice catch. He and Doug both had nice catches out of the backfield, what, what Dirk would call explosives. Um, so curious to see the fact that Martin isn't necessarily hurt and wasn't necessarily that hurt at the end of the game makes you wonder whether that was a switch made based on ineffectiveness and not injury. Doug Martin had uh, 22 yards on his final 13 carries Sunday. Uh, did okay at the start. I think he had 19 yards on his first four carries. But then 22 yards on 13 carries, not even two yards a carry. He's only getting about three yards a carry for the season. Uh, so again, given the urgency the Bucks have right now in terms of playing for the playoffs, every win counting... Uh, you could see them go more with a hot hand. I, I, I do think Doug Martin is still going to be the guy that gets the first crack uh, at being the principal ball carrier, the primary running back on Sunday. But if he's ineffective, I do think they'll be much quicker to go to uh, Jacquez Rogers. How they fit Charles Sims into this, I'm, I'm curious. I still think they like him more as a complimentary pass-catching back. I think they'll see a lot of him at receiver on Sunday because they like him there. They've liked him there even when they had healthy receivers. So when they're as depleted as they are right now, uh, I would not be surprised if he has more snaps lining up as a receiver than he does actually being in the backfield when the ball is snapped. It would not surprise me if he has more catches than he has carries. Uh, but we'll see on that. It'll be interesting to see what they do and what combination of those three, as, as well as Peyton Barber, uh, they go with against the Saints. Guys, I want to talk about today's sponsor. Uh, happy to have SeatGeek back as a sponsor today. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There is nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. It is bowl time in college football. Uh, so intrigued to see uh, what these games are going for locally. Um, Outback Bowl will be here in Tampa uh, one day after the Bucks season finale. The Bucks go on regular season finale. Uh, the Bucks go January 1st, the Outback Bowl January 2nd. That's Florida and Iowa, the Gators and Hawkeyes. Uh, that is an $89 seat. Starts at $89 on SeatGeek. Uh, FSU is down in Miami playing Michigan, what I think is one of the better bowl matchups. I actually might get to staff that. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do there. But FSU Michigan in the Orange is a $120 ticket on SeatGeek. Uh, if you'd like to go to the St. Petersburg Bowl at Tropicana Field, that is Mississippi State and Miami of Ohio. Uh, that starts at $64. I think you can get seats for less than that. But $64 is the cheap seat on SeatGeek right now. And the National Championship game in Tampa here January, uh, coming up the week after all that, here in Tampa. We don't know which of the four teams it'll be, uh, but right now the cheapest seat at Raymond James Stadium for the National Championship game on SeatGeek is $626. Again, still less than you'll find a lot of other places trying to get into that game. That is a tough ticket to get. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, 
but with SeatGeek, you'll always find the lowest available price. SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck, and that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. And every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Uh, one nice thing for my listeners here on the Locked on Bucks podcast, you guys can get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. To do that, to get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code LOBUCKS, that's Locked on Bucks. Promo code LOBUCKS and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code LOBUCKS today. Happy to have SeatGeek back on as a sponsor there. Lots of good games to uh, get tickets for this this month here as college football wraps up and the playoffs heat up in the NFL. One thing I want to talk about, uh, writing two stories here in the next two days on J.B. and Elliott and Josh Huff, uh, two guys that could be thrust into big roles here in the final month of the season. Uh, J.B. and Elliott's just an amazing story. We've talked about him on the podcast before. Uh, J.B. and Elliott, in the last 16 months, has gone from a guy who has never played a down of college football to a guy uh, that not only plays for FSU as a senior, earns a scholarship, uh, makes it to Bucks camp, makes it on their roster with a practice squad spot for the first two and a half, three months of the season, uh, gets promoted to the active roster two weeks ago, and and then Sunday he takes over as their starting as their primary nickel cornerback uh, and. Played fairly well, played 23 snaps uh, for the next two more games here until Jude Ajay Barima gets back from his suspension. It, it looks like he's going to be the guy. He's going to have a chance to be their primary nickel. That's a lot of snaps. They, they play a lot of nickel defense. I'm sure the Saints will come out with a lot of uh, three and four receiver sets. So this could be a really big week for JV and Elliott. Really need to talk to him about how he's able to continue to do things he's not supposed to do. Uh, just talked about how cool it was for him to be surrounded by the talent that FSU had in their football program and how nice it was that those guys embraced him and, and hung out with him and spent time with him. Uh, Dirk Cutter was talking about how Javian Elliott is the guy that picks off James Winston two or three times in practice every day because he just is at such a high level on that scout team. And Dirk wants those scout team guys playing tough, playing hard, challenging these, these players that are actually on the roster. Uh, doesn't want them to hit them, doesn't want them to hurt them. But once them getting challenged, and it sounds like J.V. Elliott has certainly done that, kind of did the same thing at FSU in 2014, where he was just a walk-on, just a scout team guy. Uh, but again, as, J- as Jameis Winston was preparing for opponents, J.V. Elliott is the guy that was there trying to simulate opposing defenses, trying to uh, kind of give them a scouting report, if you will, with, uh, with what they're trying to do. So, neat to do that. Josh Huff is the other guy we're talking about. You know, Josh... Uh, called up from the practice squad this week. You guys have been hoping for that for a couple weeks now. Spent a full month on the practice squad, uh, kind of paying his dues and learning the offense there. Uh, had a setback the Chiefs week where he was going to come up uh, and kind of hurt his hamstring, but is healthy now. Uh, again, will bring speed and a downfield threat to this offense at receiver at a time in which they're hurting for receivers. And also, potentially, could upgrade their return game on punts, on kickoffs. You know, Ryan Smith has been particularly ineffective uh, on kicker returns, hasn't had mistakes, hasn't had fumbles, but hasn't had a return longer than 24 yards all year. Uh, Adam Humphreys has been the punt returner, has done well with that, but he's in concussion protocol. So now uh, you might have an opportunity for two new returners on Sunday. Vernon Hargraves actually did pretty well stepping in there uh, on Sunday as an emergency replacement when, when Shorts and Humphreys got hurt. Uh, Dirk Cutter was actually very impressed. He said the, their, their goal 
on punt return was simply to field every punt, to make sure they got to every punt and didn't let it bounce. I think the Chargers, as a special teams team, got a lot of yards on bounces and rolls from kicks that weren't fielded. So their goal was simply to field every kick, and, and Hargraves did that. Two returns for 14 yards, uh, but he said just in the yardage that they didn't lose on a bounce, he felt like they had picked up an explosive each time. So that was a key thing in their game strategy that worked out well. Whether Josh Huff is part of that on Sunday or not, we don't know. Did a fair amount of research on two-point conversions. Um, just posted something on the blog this morning. Uh, Bucks have been among the most active teams in the NFL on two-point conversions. It, a lot of that is just really the, the scoreboard and how many points you're up or how many points you're down late in a game. Uh, but the Bucks have attempted seven two-point conversions. They've converted four of them. Uh, only the Steelers have attempted more conversions in the entire NFL, and only the Raiders have converted more than the Bucks have. So they've been very successful and very active with these two-point conversions. Uh, Dirk Cutter's still very kind of nervous, uh, uneasy about two-point conversions. It's such a, a high-leverage thing that can go wrong. Uh, obviously, the Bucks benefited in a big way from a two-point conversion in that Falcons-Chiefs game, where the Falcons were ahead with five minutes to go. And instead of building on that lead, they saw the Chiefs intercept that two-point conversion. Eric Berry took it the whole way, and the Chiefs end up beating the Falcons on that play. Uh, I was talking to the Saints coach, Sean Payton, yesterday, uh, and the Saints lost a game in similar fashion where they tied the game on a touchdown against the Ra- against the Raiders? I think it was. No. Sorry. Uh, against the, the uh, Broncos and had their extra point that would have put them ahead get blocked and returned for a two-point conversion. So they ended up losing a game that way as well. Uh, Sean Payton was talking about how 25 years ago, 1991, he is a low-level assistant at Indiana State uh, with the Sycamores. Indiana State is in Manhattan, Kansas, playing the Jayhawks, and they have an opportunity to beat Kansas. They get a touchdown. Same thing. They're up one with, I think it's like, I looked it up, like a minute 47 to play. Same thing. They throw a pass into the end zone. Kansas picks it off at the back of the end zone and runs it 108 yards for the winning two-point conversion. Uh, and again, it's funny because, you know, Sean Payton is still burnt about it, still remembers every detail of that 25 years later. So these things, uh, very, very high leverage. Um, it's neat because most all of these two-point conversions in the NFL are still predicated by what the scoreboard is. If you're up by five late and you score a touchdown to put you up five, you're going to go for two to get up seven, like the Bucks did Sunday against San Diego. Um, the Bucks had one against the Panthers that was a little bit earlier, late third quarter, but they score a touchdown uh, down eight to where you get within two. And even then, late third quarter, some people will say take the points because it could be that you know you get a field goal and they don't. Uh, but the Bucks went for two to tie the game, and to their credit, uh, they tied it, and that held up until overtime, and they won in overtime. So played the cards just right in terms of handling the two-point challenge there. Um, they've gone for it. Raiders game, they were down five late twice. <coughs> Went for it both times, trying to get within three and missed. So Cutter was very good just talking about how you, you look at the numbers and like across the league right now, it's like a 50% hit rate on two-point conversions and let's say it's a 94% on extra points. Your expected points is slightly higher with a two-point conversion, but Dirk was saying you, you can't go by that because that's the entire league over the entire season. You have to think about it as individual decisions against individual defenses. A lot of these teams, there's so little film on how they handle a two-point conversion. You don't know whether they're going to be aggressive and blitz or step back and zone. It's much harder to anticipate how a team is going to handle a two-point conversion because some of these teams have had like two all year. 
Um, again, the Bucks have had seven, so it's a little easier to see what they do there. Uh, but again, it, it seems like a relatively low-risk proposition. They've, uh, there's 64 pass plays this year in the NFL on two-point conversions, okay? And one of them, exactly one, has been intercepted. That was Eric Berry against the Falcons. Um, so one out of 64, that's a 1.5% interception rate. You'll take that all day long. Uh, but that one happens to change an individual game outcome, which could change an individual season outcome. It's why the Bucks are in first place in the NFC South right now. So need to see that. Uh, Jameis Winston has four conversions thrown this year. The only guy with more in the entire NFL is Derek Carr with Oakland. Mike Evans has two catches on two-point conversions. The only other guys in the entire NFL that have two are both with the Raiders. That's Seth Roberts and Amari Cooper. Uh, Bucks are kind of new at this two-point conversion thing. They had their four for seven this year. They were one for three total from 2013 to 2015. Um, you got to go back to 2011 and cover the last five years to get them to have four two-point conversions. They're four of 13 in the five years before this year, and now four of seven this year. So curious to see. I don't know that they're going to go for it any time against the Saints unless the scoreboard dictates it. Uh, Saints have given up three two-point conversions this year. Uh, Oddly, the only teams that have given up more two-point conversions this year are both in the NFC South. The uh, Panthers have given up four. The Falcons have given up six. So for whatever reason, this defense in this division uh, has given up a lot of two-point conversions. Bucks have only given up one. Uh, Matt Ryan threw one in one of the Falcons games. Uh, but opponents are one for three against the Bucks on two-point conversions. So lots of random uh, two-point conversion talk there. We will have more. Uh, we got one more podcast this week to preview the Saints, uh, kind of lay out all the options there. Uh, obviously a big game for them to try and continue. They have not won five in a row since the Super Bowl season in 2002. Uh, so the chance to come back home here, I think if they win this game, obviously it helps them in their chances to beat the Saints again in two weeks. Because if they can win here, they'll be three games up on the Saints with three to play. So for all functionality, the Saints are probably out of contention, uh, not mathematically eliminated, but you would think that in two weeks when the Bucks go to New Orleans on Christmas Eve, there will not be a real tangible playoff incentive for New Orleans. They can certainly be a spoiler. They're certainly going to want to win at home on Christmas Eve. Uh, but in terms of having something to play for, the Bucks can take away a lot of their postseason incentive by beating them on Sunday. Anyway, that will wrap things up, guys. Thanks again to SeedKeek for the sponsorship. Thanks again to you guys for listening all the way to the end of this long, rambling podcast. We will be back on Friday with much more on the Bucks and Saints. But for now, that will do it. Thanks again uh, for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks again for listening to the Locked on Bucks podcast. We'll be back on Friday. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. By singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.